over in fact 150 million Arabs that are sold out to jihad. That means that for every single Jew on the face of the earth, there are at least 15 Arab people who want to take the head off their shoulders. So the Jews are in the minority, not any Arab section. They're in the minority. And in the Middle East, they certainly are in the minority. So they need your prayers and encouragement. And that's what we're called to do, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and to encourage them in every way that we can and stand with them. In fact, they say now that people like you are the only friends that they have in the world, real friends. Not amazing? One day they said that you were their, that you and I were their enemies, and now they're saying we're their friends. So God's done something already in their heart. Didn't he say that? He would take out the stony heart and put a heart of flesh in it. It's already happening, friends. But there's still more to get them to come to a place where they'll bow the knee and receive Jesus as their Messiah and their Lord. Interesting here, we're running with a drama at the moment called They All Stood Silent. And it's a story of, I don't know, what's 15, 16 people telling a story of the Holocaust. And I'm in it. I'm not an actor. <laughs> my wife's in it. And my son's in it. So it's good to have the family together. I play the part of a rabbi for my sins. Rabbi Hangerman, who was shot in the ghetto. My wife plays the part of the only Christian actually in it. And she was in a Christian family, and her part was that she owned a plumbing business. And these are all true stories. And the ghetto, or sorry, the Nazis wanted people to go into the ghetto to do the plumbing work. And so they asked this woman to go in and do it. So she came in with her van, and she saw the horror. And women were coming and saying, can you get my children out? And so what she did was that she, she got them into the van and smuggled them out. But there's one problem that the Nazis were at the, at the gates on the way out. So she thought of an ingenious idea. She went down into the sewers before she came out, and she stank. Now, when she got to that garden, he put the window down. He took one whiff and said, just get out of here, you know. And she smuggled thousands of children out, but she herself got caught. And while they wanted to kill her, yet her father knew the commandant of the, you know, the headquarters of the, of the Nazis at that time. And he saved her. And she was one of the people that survived. We put this on in the synagogue two weeks ago. It's been running around different places now. But the reaction from the Jews was, was astounding. People do come up and compliment us, believe it or not. But the Jews come out with something else and absolutely were really touched very deeply by it. We got a letter from one guy just the next day. And, he, and even people who weren't there, actually Jews who weren't there, were ringing up the next day almost apologizing for not being there. The grapevine went very quickly, and ringing up and saying, you know, how it went and how did it go, and you could feel it. They were wishing they'd been there to see it, because they did miss something. And what this guy wrote, and he said at the end of it, he, he said, give us this, a, a statement of just appreciation. And his last words were that we all worship the same God. Friends, it was times ago that a Jew would never, never say that. He didn't worship the same God as you and I. But even for him to say it, there's something happening in his heart, even here in our own nation. That's been my heart's desire for many years here, just working among them here, just gently going in and allowing the Spirit to do the work and touch the hearts and draw them. So just keep praying, and we appreciate your standing and supporting us and what we're doing. Someone asked about the uh, trips to Israel next year, and uh, they don't get any cheaper. And <laughs> I wish I could give you a cheapie, but I can't. And the feast, the tabernacle, it's going to run about 1,600 and it's in that area. And it's going to be in October next year. But if you are thinking of going and the Lord's touching your heart, just get in touch. And the seats at the back, you can sign up if you're not signed up already. But we do need to get your emails. If you're not getting anything from us on email, can I ask you to put your email on the, on the seat at the back, even if you are getting stuff from us already? Okay. Okay, but I'm preaching, David, sorry. <laughs> uh, you have... Uh, you know, as a pastor, he's pastored a church in Canada, as well as in Finland, and he's an international evangelist and has preached in, in many nations uh, as well. He's a real heart. If I was to ask to sum up Yuha, I would say he's a real passion just for Jesus. That's what I get always when he comes here. It's, it's a heart for people, and especially a heart for the lost. And in that, there's a heart for the Jewish people as well. He's director of the Christian Embassy in Finland, 
and he also serves on the international board in Jerusalem. And he's been doing that, I think, for and he's been a director now for about six, seven years in Finland and has done a great work there. And he works particularly in that area with what we call the work of Aliyah, which we're involved with as well, helping Jewish people come back from the nations back to their own country. And Finland has a, a common border with Russia. And so he has been very, very instrumental and involved in helping Jews come from the former Soviet Union back to the land of Israel. And they bring them in through Finland so as Christians can get to know them, put them in their houses for a few days and bless them abundantly and encourage them and then help them to get down to the plane and, and then send them off to the land of Israel and back to the land of their forefathers fulfilling biblical prophecy. It's good to be involved in biblical prophecy. Good to be involved in something that's on God's heart. We, 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 we worship the Lord for what he's done for us and we're looking back and we're seeing Calvary and all that was done there for us. We can never worship him and praise him enough. And we praise him for what he's doing for us today. But there's a special thing on his heart today in that he's looking towards the future. And in a sense, Jerusalem is in fact the only city with a guaranteed future. But it's because of Jesus, the Messiah. And so we just, it's good to be involved in what God has planned and what he's doing and to step into those prophecies and actually reach it and be a part of it in any way we can. So thank you again for supporting us and for helping us. And you has delighted to be here and I'm glad to welcome. We had a very, very busy, busy weekend. I'm running tired now at the moment. <laughs> uh, we're keeping up with them. But it's, we're just back from Navan today. We're only half an hour turnaround to get to here. And it's been a great, been a great time. And he's finishes tonight here before he goes back tomorrow. So give a big warm welcome again. Yuha Katola. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for his faithfulness. We thank you for his spirit, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing in his life. And we just, Lord, appreciate him again in coming here tomorrow tonight and to be amongst us here. And we just lift him up now before you and pray. I just anoint them afresh, Lord. Refresh him, Lord God, even after a, a busy weekend that he can come and, Lord, just pour out your love and your word through him tonight. Anoint our ears to hear what the spirit would say to the church, even in this hour. And in all we do, Lord, we pray. We give you all the honor and praise and glory. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. It's good to be back here. I, it's true what Brian said. I always enjoy coming here. I enjoy the presence of Jesus here. And uh, the worship is always great. And I'm so happy to see these young people always. I remember you sitting on that side. Less on this side. <laughs> and... Uh, and uh, you know the, the spirit here in this church and the spirit upon the leadership, Pastor David and, and uh, his wife, I bless you. It's a wonderful church here. And uh, I have, I've been greatly blessed myself uh, for, for every visit. Tonight I have on my heart to share something from the Word of God that I am praying that at the same time it would be an encouragement, strengthening you in your Christian walk and staying in the Word of God, what the Word of God says. You are saying the same thing, doing the same thing. And yet at the same time, I am praying for the Lord and for the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. So please turn in your Bibles and maybe you would stand for the reading of the Word of God, please. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers. Chapter 20, 23. The book of Numbers, chapter 23 and verse 20. And then the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 17 and verses 9 and 10. Numbers 24, I'm sorry, sorry, 23 and 20. I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot change it. And then Jeremiah 17 verses 9 and 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? 
I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we commit the word to your hands and we are asking the help of the Holy Spirit to bring forth the character of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the power of the blood of Jesus, so that you would sanctify us by the truth, that you would set us apart for the sacred things. And we ask you this in the name of Jesus, giving you all the glory and honor. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, please. In the book of Numbers, these two, actually three chapters, 22, 3, and 4, we learn the story of the prophet Balaam and the king Balak, the king of Moab. The context in, these, in this story that also the New Testament, the prophetic writings by the Holy Spirit are talking about. The original context in the book of Numbers is Balaam the prophet, the king of Moab, and the blessing and cursing concerning Israel. The original context of this story is the story about Israel. Now the Bible says in Chapter 22, in the Numbers, it says, Then the Israelites traveled to the plains of Moab and camped along the Jordan across from Jericho. And then it says, Now Balak, son of Zippah, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was terrified. Uh, and the Bible says, The Moab, Moabites said to the elders of Midian, this horde is going to lick up everything around us as an axe licks up the grass of the field. So Balak, son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at the time, sent messengers to summon Balaam, son of Ber, who was at Bethel near the river, meaning Euphrates, in his native land. And Balak said, a people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people. Because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the country. For I know that those you bless are blessed and those you curse are cursed. So the elders go to this prophet Balaam. And they come with the fee. They come with the reward. They are thinking in their mind that they can buy this prophet to curse Israel. And the Bible says that the Moab, Moabite princes stayed with Balaam. They went to Balaam. And Balaam says, wait, you know, stay here for one night and I will seek what the Lord says about this issue. And the Bible then says in the verse 10, uh, when God was asking Balak, and the answer from the Lord to Balaam is in verse 12, do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. Now this is infallible word of God. This is the truth. And God has blessed Israel. He's done it already. In the Abrahamic covenant, he cut the covenant with Abraham he made an oath to Abraham. He will never change his mind. God has blessed Israel. So the only option for us left is to follow the guidelines of God and bless what he is blessing. Never curse what he has not cursed. So Balaam says to these princes and says, go back to your own country for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. When we go through this, the, the whole story, we'll find out that there was something in the heart of this prophet that he never, ever 
really seriously dealt with and it killed him. The Bible says that these princes, they returned to Balak and say that he refuses. But Balak, the king, sent other princes more numerous and more distinguished than the first. Because he was thinking he can buy this prophet to curse Israel. And he says that, do not let anything keep you from coming to me because I will reward you handsomely. And do whatever you say. And Balaam says, okay, stay. I will ask God. And the Bible says, I will find out what else the Lord will tell me. The Lord had clearly said him no. Now he's saying, I will look what else God has to say. Because there was something in his heart that was so powerful yet untouched. An unyielded area in his life. He was so prone to take this reward. That he wanted to ask again. Very clearly God had said. But still there was something in his heart. That wanted to go against what God had said. So he asks again. And the Bible says. Verse 20. That night God came to Balaam. And said, since these men have come to summon you, go with them. But do only what I tell you. And the Bible says, Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. But God was very angry when he went. Everybody says, very angry. Very, one more time, very angry, okay? Now, turn in your Bibles to the second Peter. Second Peter. And chapter 2 and verse 15. This letter is talking about the end times. And it's at the same time that it's talking about the end times and the very last generation before Jesus comes, it also carries in its message for all the generations. All the generations have faced these issues. So chapter 2 verse 15, it says about some people that are in a backslidden stage, living in sin, living immoral, impure lives, living in sexual uh, uncleanness. And there are many very strong words that the Bible are talking about these, when the Bible is talking about these people, these false prophets. There's something in them, they are living in sin, but they cannot keep away from the people of God. So the Holy Spirit is warning about these people. They are in a backslidden stage and they want others to go under the same power that they have fell. They are luring people to stop following the truth, which is the Word of God. Anyways, it says about these people, verse 15, they have left, left the straight way and wandered off. To follow the way of Balaam, son of Ber, who loved the wages of wickedness. Balaam loved the wages of wickedness. There was something in his heart that wanted to have that which was offered to him. So much so that he went eventually clearly against the light of the Word of God. We can find it out. So this is the reason why God said to him that go with them because there was already something in his heart. And God is the one that searches the heart. Remember in the desert 
when the Israelites people, when they're wandering in the desert for 40 years, they wanted to have the meat, something else to eat. And, and the Lord said, okay, you will have it. But when the, when the quails, when the, when the birds arrived, I don't know. How many of you remember the story? Can I see your hands? Some of you, some, many of you do remember. So when, when this meat came by the divine wind of God, these birds came and they were able to eat the meat. The Bible says that, that when the meat was still between their teeth, the anger of the Lord came out. And some people got killed. So what happened was, they wanted to have something that God said no. But because their heart wanted to have it, God said, okay, you will, I will let you go the way of your own heart. Because you are so rebellious, because you want to do your own will. I will let you go your will, but that is my divine correction for you. I will actually discipline you for going that way. So it's not the first time that, you know, you can find in the Bible things that you are wondering that because God said no and now he says yes. No, it was all the time God saying no. But God, it's actually his punishment because there is something something that is not being dealt in the heart of this prophet. And because God says, uh, the Bible says God was very angry when, the, uh, when he went. And then it happened so that when the prophet goes on his way to the king to curse Israel, this was on his heart. He wanted to have the reward. And the Bible says that three times an angel comes, but the prophet doesn't see, but his donkey that he's traveling upon sees it. And the Bible says, verse 25, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, she turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat her to get her back on the road. Second time. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat her again. Third time. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam, and he was angry and beat her with his stuff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to make you beat me these three times? Balaam said, you have made me a fool of me. If I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. He doesn't see. But then his eyes are opened. The Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. Ready to hit. And the angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? For me, that is amazing. How can the angel ask this thing from the prophet? Didn't he know that he didn't see? It almost looks to me that those spiritual real things for the angels are so obvious that they are wondering how come the people do not respond. It's like Jesus genuinely asking his disciples, don't you understand? Don't you get this? Like if he was amazed. Anyways, the Bible says also that this angel says, because Balaam was saying, if I only had the sword, I would kill you, my donkey. But the angel says to Balaam, if the donkey had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now, but I would have spared her. You're so eager with your sword. That donkey saved you. And the Bible says, turn back to the Second Peter 2, 2 Peter 2 and verse 16. By doing this to the prophet, the Bible says, 
Verse 16, 2 Peter chapter 2. He was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, a beast without speech, who spoke with the man's voice and restrained the prophet's madness. Balaam left to curse Israel in love with the wages of wickedness. On his way, however, God rebuked him and in so doing restrained his madness. You might have in your life some people that you think about that they are donkeys. However, when you search your heart, there is something that the God wants to bring out there in the open to help you to get rid of it. Whenever these people, the Lord sends us on our way, we think that they are donkeys. And we get mad sometimes. Because there we can sense there's some kind of a rebuke on our lives. Something in our hearts is not right. So the Lord tries to get it out so that we can confess and get rid of it. And be set free. Hallelujah. So three times... He almost lost his life. And now he goes to the king. Remember that he was asked to curse Israel. We are living worldwide. Special times. Actually, I believe that the church everywhere is at crossroads. Either to go with God... And thus with Israel. Or to go against the purposes of God. Either to bless what God has blessed. Or rebel against the purposes of God. And have our own ways. But remember, you can have your own ways. But when God rejects you in that sense that he allows you to go the ways of your heart, it will end up to misery every single time. That's why we need to submit our lives to the Lordship of Jesus. And the heart is desperately wicked. And the Bible says beyond cure. And the Hebrew language is talking about the old heart, the fallen nature, the, the sin in us. Thank God we have the new identity. And we are the new creation. We are, we are partakers of the divine nature. However, the flesh is still, us, is still in us. And the Bible in Hebrew, I'm, I'm, I don't know Hebrew, but I, I, I can have the dictionaries and, and you can too. And... The Hebrew speaks about here how the heart, when it says the heart is desperately wicked it, uh, and, and beyond cure and very deceitful, it, it doesn't mean that the heart would be easily deceived, but it means that the heart is deceiving you. Not that your heart would be deceived, but your own heart is deceiving you. And that's the worst kind of de deception. Because you can genuinely believe a lie. And that is a punishment from God. If we forsake the Holy Scriptures, the Word of God that is a lamp unto our feet, God will allow us to stay on the foundation of our own human fallen heart that will definitely lead us astray the book of Romans chapter 1 is a sad story on that how they are being deceived by their own heart and they are going all the way down and the Bible says at the end times God himself will send a strong delusion and people will believe the lie because they did not receive the love for the truth. And the truth is the word of God. God has blessed Israel. There is 
a clear word in the Bible, Genesis 12. Whoever blesses Israel, God will bless them. Whoever curses Israel, God will curse them. The Bible says very clearly, who pray for the peace of Jerusalem, who love Jerusalem, they will prosper. They will be insecure. They will be insafe. They will, they will have the divine protection in their lives. The, the Bible commands us to bless and pray for Israel. And there is, a, there is a battle in the hearts of the human beings either to believe the Word of God or turn against the Word of God. So the prophet now comes to the king. And the king has asked him to curse Israel. And what happens, Balaam the prophet says, let's hear what the Lord is saying. He already knew. He never actually said very clearly that the Lord told me not to curse. He still went. And he, he says, build me seven altars here and prepare seven bowls and seven rams for me. And, it's, and he so offers the offerings to God. And he receives the word from God. To this Balak the king. And he says. Come. He says as the word of God. Chapter 23. And verse 7. Balak brought me from Aram. The king of Moab from the eastern mountains. Come he said. Curse Jacob for me. Come denounce Israel. Now. He is blessing Israel right now in these verses and with these words while the princes are standing next to him. While the one who wants to curse Israel is standing right there beside him. There are voices even today that come through the newspaper to your kitchen. In the morning when you're having your coffee, you open your newspaper and you can hear the words that are cursing Israel. You open up the radio and you can hear the voices denouncing Israel into your ear. You open up the TV and you can see and hear when Israel is being cursed and denounced. When Israel is being accused. When Israel is being spoken violently against. So these voices come very close to you. But Bileam, I mean Balaam, he... Balaam, that's the one you say. Balaam, with the princes standing next to him, with the powerful king standing next to him, he, under the spirit of the Lord, he blesses. He goes against those voices and he picks up the prophetic voices and he lines his life according to the prophetic voices. And he speaks the same than the prophetic voice from the Lord. He had to. His life was at risk. He knew if I don't speak this, I will be dead. The Lord had corrected him with powerful statements on the way. And he does this blessing three times. The first time, the second time, and the third time. Just as many times as he was in danger of losing his life. So many times he was blessing the Israelites. And the Bible says, chapter 24, verse 12. Actually, verse 10, Numbers 24 and verse 10. After Balaam has blessed beautifully, please read those blessings at home. He blesses with beautiful words the nation of Israel. I mean, they are gorgeous words. They are poetical. They are, they are really lifting your mind to the heights of the beauty of the holiness of God. So after he has blessed Israel, not cursed, 
The Bible says, verse 10, Then Balak's anger burned. That was nothing compared to the anger of the Lord. Balak's anger burned against Balaam. He struck his hands together and said to him, I summoned you to curse my enemies, but you have blessed them these three times. Now leave at once and go home. Then, he says, I said, I would reward you handsomely, but the Lord has kept you from being rewarded. Remember, there was something in the heart of the prophet that with these rewards, with these fees and with this wealth, King Balak was fishing. He was putting his hook and the worm into the heart of the prophet, trying to take hold of that something that was undealt in his life and saying, this way, Balaam, this way, Balaam, I will reward you greatly, this way, Balaam. And we can still hear those voices when the devil is fishing something of his own in our hearts. Remember Jesus said, the prince of this world will come and he has nothing in me. The devil is looking always something of his own in the character and lives of the people to get them stumble. But the power of the blood of Jesus can keep us clean. Also concerning Israel and our relationship with Israel. So the prophet, off he goes. But it doesn't finish here. Because the New Testament says in the scriptures, for example, in Jude, it says that Balaam was in error. Jude 11 says, talking about these same people that are in a backslidden stage, unclean, living in immoral sins, especially in sexual sins. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. Turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and verse 14. There's this church in Bergamum, and the Holy Spirit is saying, who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Revelation 2 and verse 14. The Holy Spirit says, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. The Bible tells us the story of Balaam to the very end. And the prophetic writings, they tell us that it was Balaam who taught this king to do something to the nation of Israel that will anger God and God himself will now be against these Israelites and Balak will win them and Balaam the prophet will eventually get his reward because he was after the wages of wickedness. He wanted to have that. There was this undealt area in his life that actually killed him. Now if you read back in the Numbers 25 and verse 1, 2, and 3, you can find what happened. Balaam was behind all this. While Israel was staying in Shittim, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with the Moabite women 
who invited them to, to the sacrifices to their gods, the people ate and bowed down before these gods. So Israel joined in worshipping the Baal of Peor and the Lord's anger burned against them. So Balaam never changed. There was something unchanged in his heart. There was something that he never brought into the light so that he would deal with it in a godly way. And the Bible is warning about some people who are not teaching the truth according to the godliness. It's the, the truth that we are preaching in the church is the truth according to the godliness. Meaning it's a truth linked with the character and person of Jesus himself. And when we come to these end times, there will be things concerning Israel and the Middle East. And there will be things concerning the fallen nature. And there will be people who have the form of godliness, but they deny the power of the godliness. Meaning that they don't believe that the heart can change completely. And people can be completely set free from sin and sinful lifestyles. In Finland, one of those issues now is very strong. High waves in Finland in public discussions is the, is the issue of homosexuality. Now the Bible says clearly that it is sin. To practice homosexuality. Absolutely and clearly. Period. But there is a strong attack against the word of God to deny this. And these people, they deny the power of the godliness. And the power of the person of Jesus. To change people from deep down from within. These issues will increase. And there, that's why we have to be some ones who go to the Bible and we look out what God has said. What He has said. We stick with that, what He has said. And with the love of Jesus, we stay in that. And one of those things that you will be pressured, not only with the moral issues, with the issues of ethics, you will also be heavily challenged by the relationship with Israel. The Bible tells the end of this prophet, this false prophet. It was an amazing thing. What he said was the truth, but how he lived was a lie. That killed him. Because the Numbers 31 and verse 8. Numbers 31. Let's first read the first verse. Numbers 31. The Lord said to Moses, Take vengeance on the Midianites for the Israelites. After that you will be gathered to your people. Then verse 7. They fought against Midian as the Lord commanded Moses and killed every man. Among their victims were Evi, Rechem, Zur, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian. They also killed Balaam, son of Beor, with the sword. Jesus says, unless we repent of the error of Balaam, he comes and he fights against us with the sword. And it's very frightful because in the book of Revelation, Thyatira, when God is speaking to the church in Thyatira, He says, You tolerate this woman, Jezebel, who calls her a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols, which means idol worshipping, actually because you can eat whatever, but this means that they are actually worshipping the idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering 
and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. I mean, there's something about the two-edged sword of the Word of God. It can kill you, but it can heal you. So, there's a pressure, increasing pressure, to denounce Israel. Come denounce Israel. In the media, in the world leaders, in the mouth of the world leaders, which, 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 which makes me to, 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 to say and wonder, now, the Bible says, buy the truth, do not sell it. Meaning, with everything you have, acquire the truth. Be ready to sweat for the truth. Be ready to pay a price for the truth. When you eventually have found the truth, do not make compromise by... To, do not make a compromise for to get a personal benefit or to gain something, do not sell it. Keep it because the truth will set you free. And the world leaders, when you think about them, they have all the historical facts on the ground concerning the nation of Israel, her history, the legal binding agreements with the international laws and, and, and uh, binding legal documents that have given her the full right to live in that physical place with those physical people. There's many documents. There's, the, for example, the UN mandate. Israel is fully legal entity in that place. And concerning what's going on in the West Bank, people don't even ask what the West Bank means. They don't even wonder, why is it called West Bank? Because it's east from Israel. It's called West Bank because from during the years 90, 1949 and 1967, that area belonged to Jordan. Gaza belonged to Egypt. And at the Six-Day War, during the Six-Day War, 1967, Israel in the war conquered so-called West Bank, in the biblical language, it's called Judea and Samaria, which is really the hard land of the prophets and the patriarchs. Real hard land. And Israel also conquered Gaza and the Golan Heights during the uh, Six-Day War, 1967. So people are saying today in the media, come denounce Israel. And they are saying Israel is occupied in quotations, occupying the land of Palestinians. How can they occupy a land of Palestinians when there's never been a Palestinian state? If, and I'm underlying, if Israel is occupying any land, Israel is occupying something that belongs to Jordan, something that belongs to Egypt. But you never hear this in media accusing Israel for occupying territories that belong to Jordan or Egypt. It was not an issue from 1949 till 1967. But immediately when Israel took hold of those, uh, those territories, it, be it became a huge issue and the demands to have a Palestinian state came out. Why? There was no demands for the Palestinian state before that. So the Bible says we need to stand with Israel. And the human heart is very deceitful. And we will be tested. I personally will be tested. I have been tested. You will be tested. And you have been tested. Whether you stand with the purposes of God or whether you want to go your own way. The Bible says, the prophet says, let's read it one more time and then close. Numbers 24. The prophet says, Numbers, no, sorry, Numbers 23 and verses 19 and 20. 
Numbers 23, 19 and 20. Would you please stand for the reading of this scripture? And we'll pray. God is not a man that he should lie. Nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot change it. The word of God has already decided it for us. We are to bless what God has blessed. We are to pray for Israel and to bless Israel. We are to leave her sins into the hands of God. Allow God to deal with her sins. God will judge Israel unto salvation. The Bible says all Israel will be saved. God will judge the church unto purification. And God will judge the world unto damnation. God will judge. That's why we need to live in the fear of the Lord. And hold fast the word of life. Hold on to what you've got. Hold on to your crown. Do not be swayed away from the truth of the word of God. What God has blessed, I cannot change. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are wonderful, Lord. You are wonderful, wonderful, Lord. And we bless you. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we are here right before your eyes. And Lord, we submit our hearts to the searching light of the Holy Spirit, to the searching light of your truth of the Word of God. Lord, I ask you in the name of Jesus, set every person in this room apart for your divine purposes. God, I am praying for every young and old person. I am praying for every one of us in the room and the sound of my voice. I am praying, God, sanctify us by the truth. Set us apart for the sacred things. God, allow us to pray according to the will. Allow us to bless Israel because you have blessed Israel and you will never ever change your mind. God, we are praying here for the Prime Minister of Israel and we bless him. We are praying for the Cabinet and the Knesset members. Bless them. Lord, we are praying for the people in Jerusalem bless them lord we are praying for the borders in israel in the north south east and west lord protect your people like you have promised lord we want to bless them pray for them lord patiently wait till you reveal your face to them and finally they will believe and have faith in the son of the living god whose name is jesus Bless this church, Lord. Bless the leadership. Thank you for this sweet church, the sweetness of the presence of Jesus in here. In the wonderful and powerful name of Jesus, I do pray. Amen. You may be seated, please.